Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. Crafted using your exact measurements, custom clothing is the perfect expression of who you are or who you intend to be. It's about getting what you want, the right fit, the right fabric, the right details, the right style. Ben Lawler with the Tom James Company helps you choose from over 500 custom suit fabrics and 250 custom dress shirt fabrics. He can help you build your entire wardrobe, including suits, shirts, trousers, sports coats, and even custom tuxedos. To learn more, visit stlleaders.com. And now to this week's episode with Dr. Jason Selk. Dr. Selk, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on today. Brian, so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I, um, I'd heard your name around town quite a bit from, uh, from multiple people. One's Brandon Dempsey, uh, who Go Brand Go does all of our marketing for our podcast, and then uh, Ben Newman and a couple people. And so I thought, well, I'm going to reach out and see if I can get you to come on my show. And here we are. So I'm excited to kind of dive in with you today. Well, it sounds like I'm in some good company. I'm, again, I'm very glad to be here. Absolutely. So let's start really with uh, your growth path to where you're at today. So talk to me about kind of growing up here in town and kind of what led you to the path you are on today. Well, and actually, I'm not a St. Louis guy. I grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I ended up at University of Missouri. It's where I did my undergraduate and graduate work and moved to St. Louis and was fortunate enough to get hooked up with the Cardinals really pretty quickly. I finished my doctorate uh, somewhere around 2000, you know, right around there. I got my mental health license, started my private practice. 2005, Walt Jockety reached out and asked if I'd been, be willing to work with the players and the coaches, see if I could help them develop mental toughness to help them win a World Series. At that point in time, it had been a 24-year drought. And 2006, I started with the Cardinals. I uh, was fortunate enough. We won a World Series the first year <laughs> and then uh, I stayed with the Cardinals for six years as director of sports psychology. My last year, 2011, again, fortunate enough to win another World Series. So although I'm not from St. Louis, St. Louis has been very, very good to me and my family. And I am a huge, obviously, St. Louis and St. Louis Cardinals fan because of those years. 
Absolutely. Well, two obviously fantastic years in Cardinals history. I think everybody listening to this podcast remembers both of those years, especially 2011. What a ride that was. Uh, sometimes when I when I hear Joe Buck screaming, we'll see you tomorrow night, I still get goosebumps uh, from that game six uh, and then in the game, obviously game seven. But let's talk about the Cardinals and uh, your time as director of mental toughness for them. Talk to us about um, how, how did Walt Jockey, I guess, get your name and number and, and kind of what that path was to becoming, uh, working for them? Well, you know, it really was kind of funny at the time, um, George Paletta, who was the head physician for the team reached out to me and I thought George wanted me to help put a drug and alcohol program together for major league baseball. So I actually went out to meet with George in December of 2005 and had no idea they were about to offer me the position as director of sports psychology, but, uh, went out and had the meeting with George and, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, they had, they had asked if I would, if I had the ability to do it. And I certainly, you know, had confidence that I could help the players and the coaches take the game to the next level. And then we just, over the next few months, ironed out the details. And then March of 2006, that's when the ride began. You know, and, and I think people do remember that 2011 series. But I'll tell you, if you Google worst team to ever win a World Series, you'll, you'll see it's the 2006 Cardinals. That season uh, was actually, you know, being on the inside. There were a lot of things that happened behind closed doors. But that, we had the lowest win total of any team to ever win a World Series. That one, to me, really kind of sticks out as that was a heck of a way for us to finish that season with okay. winning winning the the big one. And then obviously 2011 with uh, kind of the relentless solution focus and absolutely no die in that team whatsoever to come back and win a series that uh, for all practical purposes looked like we were maybe in the uh, loser seat on that one. But yeah, both were, were quite experiences uh, that I'll never forget. Absolutely. Well, if I, my memory serves me correctly, the 2006 team, they were uh, pretty far outside of first place, even going into the month of August. Is, is, is that my memory correct? Well, t- 2006, actually, we had a pretty sizable lead in the division and almost gave it away. We, we came down to the last game of the season we had to win and we did finally get into the playoffs. But if you remember, we were heavy underdogs really all the way through the entire playoffs, including the world series where we played uh, Detroit. Detroit Detroit was heavily favored in that series. And the Cardinals, I think we won that series in five games, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, again, I, I, and it's probably the one thing that people ask me all the time, what, what, what'd you do for the Cardinals? You know, and I, I think there are probably two things, you know, one, I, I taught them something called the mental workout, which it really is what took me in my career from a nobody to one of the top sports psychologists in the world. And, and the second thing was, and you heard me kind of use that phrase, relentless solution focus. And it's a name of the book that I just released over the last probably 10 years. It's the speech I've done more often than any, any other speech or content that I talk about. And when I started with the Cardinals, you remember you had, Jockety at the helm. You had Tony Larusa. You had Dave Duncan. You had players like Jim Edmonds and Albert Pujols. Yadier Molina was already there. David Eckstein. And, you know, those players and that team was already very, very solution focused. But, you know, I'd like to say that my contribution to the team was we just took it a half notch higher that 
There was just absolutely no quit, no die in the way we went out and did things on a daily basis. So, you know, they fought it out all the way down to that very last strike, as was proven even in 2011. So, right. absolutely. Uh, um, well, talk to me a little bit about the mental workout, and then we're going to get into your books here in just a second. Well, the mental workout is a five-step process. And it's really the most effective tools known to performance in sports psychology. When I was putting it together, and this was back in 1999, I, I knew that athletes probably weren't going to invest more than four or five minutes. And, you know, I looked at all the tools and I thought, okay, we got to jam this mental workout full of all the most important stuff. And thankfully I had the foresight to think, well, if I don't make this as simple as possible, people aren't going to do it consistently. And I think it's a really important fundamental. It, it, you know, it's kind of proven itself over my career with people that it's not how much you can do in any one given day. It's how many days you're going to do it. And with the mental workout with pro athletes, the first version I came out with in my first book, 10 minute toughness, yep. which was a book specifically for sports psychology. I know McGraw Hill, I'm probably mad that I'm saying this, but McGraw-Hill promoted it and marketed it as a business book. But for me, it was, it's just a straight sports psychology book. I wrote it for the professional athletes I was working with. But the mental workout in that book, which again was for high-level athletes, takes three minutes and 40 seconds to complete. It's five steps. But as I started to work more and more in the business world, the mental workout evolved. And again, it's still five steps. It's very similar to the first iteration, if you will. But now it's for us in the business world, it's a minute and 40 seconds. And again, it's a combination of breathing, talking to yourself the right way and visualization, but it's very specific. You know, if I work with somebody on a mental workout, I know exactly the words they're saying to themselves and exactly what they're visualizing. You know, if you're a high level athlete for that three minute and 40 seconds, if you're in the business world for that minute and 40 seconds. So you wrote, you wrote several books, the, the 10 minute toughness one. There's also a book called executive toughness is the executive. Talk to us about the executive toughness. Yeah. Executive toughness came out. Um, when I started having success with the Cardinals and you know, the DeWitt family and the Cardinals organization, the very corporate. And so my name went from the sports world into the business world and I started getting hired. You know, I remember my first corporate job was up in Portland, Oregon, uh, CEO of uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I think the guy's name was Mark Gans reached out and said, hey, I see you're having the success with the with St. Louis Cardinals. Can you do this for my team? And, you know, I thought, OK, you know, I, I think I can. And I went up and spent a couple of days doing a workshop with him and and I think it was valuable, but it was a really good lesson for me because I did realize, okay, there are some differences between the sports world and the business world. Now, I want to be very clear. There are a whole lot more similarities between the sports world and high-level business than there are differences. But at that point, I had only really worked in the sports world. And some of those nuances I really wasn't clear on. And so I spent I don't know, about 18 months to two years researching what are some of those small differences between high-level business performance and high-level sport performance. And that was the reflection of that research that came out in the book, Executive Toughness. Now, Executive Toughness got ranked the ninth best career development book of all time. And I think a lot of the reason is it really just piggybacked on a lot of the science that 
you know, again, I'd spent my whole life researching and studying how to work with these high level professional athletes. And so much of that research is carried over into executive toughness. But one of the differences is that we in the business world, when we do the mental workout, again, we don't need three minutes and 40 seconds. We need a minute and 40 seconds. And the difference is in the sports world with the visualization, we really want to spend enough time, which is about three minutes of visualization so that you create muscle memory, you can actually create muscle memory through visualization even more efficiently and effectively than physical practice, which most people don't know. But in the business world, we don't really need the muscle memory. So we didn't need, you know, we could trim out two minutes of the uh, visualization right there. But executive toughness, again, is really, to me, the mental training plan equivalent from the sports world of 10-minute toughness, my first book, it's now the mental training plan, pretty much the equivalent of that for the business people. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's, let me ask you this. Is if there's a CEO listening to this episode right now, and they're in a spot where they're just mentally drained or they're, they're, um, they're lost in maybe some strategic planning or something along those lines, from a mental aspect, what do you tell those people? How do they, how do they overcome mental lags and mental blocks? Well, there's a couple of things. Obviously, it's, it's a little bit more in depth, but I'd say a couple of things. Number one, you have to have a strategy. You have to have a very clear path of you know, five years from now, what specifically, not generally, but what specifically are you looking for in terms of success? And then take that five-year plan and pull it back into one-year benchmarks. You know, what are those one or two most important result-oriented benchmarks that you need to or want to achieve in the next year if you're going to be in alignment with that five-year vision? And then most importantly, Okay, so now on a daily basis, what are your two or three absolute most important activities that will drive or cause those product goal, those one-year product or result benchmarks to occur? So that'd be the first thing is you really have to have your game plan in place, and it must be specific. And I tell you, most organizations are really coming up short on that. But then the second piece is once you figure out your game plan, you must realize you're going to have all kinds of viable excuses and all kinds of adversity as to why you can't get those daily activities completed, whether it be in leadership, whether it be in the management level, whether it be in the kind of the sales, you know, the people down on the just feet on the ground doing the actual sales and marketing. Everybody's going to have difficulty getting those most important tasks done. And you heard me use that phrase, you want to learn to develop a relentless solution focus. And it's not a pep talk. I mean, the good thing is, is that everything we're talking about here in terms of mental toughness can be learned. And I say this a lot that mental toughness is completely abnormal, but it can be learned. We know just like our bicep, you know, when you're born, your bicep is just naturally weak. Okay. Well, the brain is a muscle just like the bicep. The bicep with proper training can become very efficient, very strong. Same with the brain, same with the mental toughness. And that's what I outline in the latest book, Relentless Solution Focus, is a three-minute training process daily. One of it is, you know, a minute and 40 seconds of that three minutes is the mental workout that we just talked about, yeah. is how do you train your brain to be mentally tough enough 
so that on a daily basis, you are in fact getting those most important activities done. But think about this, Brian. I mean, you know, and, and most people are just trying to do so many different things. They're compromising the ability to get the most important things done. But just think for you personally, we're, we're just hold the thought of organizationally or systemically for a minute. And just think for you personally, if you had clarity on, first of all, where you want to go in the next year, number one result goal. So let's say it's like a sales goal. I want to do $100,000 in sales. I say, okay, what's the single most important activity? I got to make six proactive sales calls on a daily basis. Now imagine if for the next year, you were 90% or better on that one most important activity. What do you think the likelihood of achieving success would be? Now, again, you're not necessarily in sales, but you can do the equivalent. You know, what's your result goal? And then back into it from there, what's the single most important activity daily that's going to get you to your result goal? If you could just get that done, no matter what adversity threw at you or what life adversity threw at you or what, what viable excuse you might have, but if you still found a way to get that most important activity done, what do you think your success level would be? Yeah, it would, it would All right. be great. <laughs> All right. Now, now think if you had a, a team of 10 players and if all 10 players on the team had the mental toughness to get their most important activity done daily, think about the impact that has on the team. Now think about if you're an organization of 100 people, of right. 300 people, of 2,500 people, of 5,000, of 15,000, if if the people on the team can do better with their single most important activity, what I have found in my research over the last six to eight years is that is the single biggest way to take winning to the next level. It's a heck of a lot easier said than done, but it can be done. Not necessarily perfectly, but absolutely improved. And a lot of it starts with getting your mind right. Yeah. Well, it's when I, what I love about this is actually about a few years ago, I don't know if you know a guy here in St. Louis named Rob Teshner. He uh, goes by the call sign Cujo. He was in the United States Air Force and a, a fighter pilot. And he used to mentor me back uh, several years ago. And he used to tell me I was, I've, I'm in a sales role. My day job is obviously a sales role that I had to win the day, win the week, win the month, win the year. And so every day I would report to him of how many cold calls I would make. And he had a number that I had to hit. And if I didn't hit that number, he, I had to write him a, basically a page of why I didn't hit that number. And that day was the most important piece. He didn't care necessarily about the week or the month or the year. He says, because if you do everything you're supposed to do every day, the week, the month, and the year will hit where it needs to go, um, which is essentially what you're saying right here. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you a quick little story. So uh, my business partner, one of my best friends, fellow by the name of Tom Bartow. Now, Tom and I have written a couple of books together. Tom was best friends with Coach Wooden, John Wooden, the great you know, basketball coach from UCLA. And Tom once asked Coach Wooden, he said, Coach, if we're sitting on the sideline during the game, you know, we're sitting on the bench, I'm just curious, what's going through the mind of the greatest coach during competition? And Coach Wooden looked at Tom, he said, Tom, I'm watching to see if my guys are making their cuts in straight lines or if they're making their cuts in banana patterns. Tom, obviously, is a little confused and curious. Like, Coach, you mean to tell me 
greatest coach of all time. You're, you're not worried about the scoreboard. You're not thinking about winning or losing. You're watching to see if your guys are running their cuts in straight lines. Coach Wooden said, Tom, let's be clear. Winning is important. And the number one thing I can do to cause our team to win is make sure they're running their cuts in straight lines as opposed to banana patterns. Because, Tom, if my guys are making their cuts in straight lines, they're going to be a little bit faster than those guys running in banana patterns. And if we're a little bit faster at everything we do, the winning will take care of itself. You know, and I love the story because Coach Wooden was really the one who popularized this process mentality where instead of worrying about the result, the scoreboard, winning the week or the year, just focus on win the one most important activity each day. Yeah. In Coach Wooden's case, when his players were out there, it was running cuts and straight lines. As simple as it sounds, I'm sure it was extremely difficult to execute. And just like you know, your story of making X number of those calls each day, maybe it sounds overly simple, but you and I both know how <laughs> difficult that actually is to do it consistently, 90% or better. Yeah. But, but that, just like what Coach Wooden said, is the number one way for you to control your scoreboard or your winning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let me shift gears just here real quick. Uh, about Let's talk about COVID real quick. Obviously, uh, the pandemic hit last year and has affected a lot of businesses. I mean, it even affected the sports world, right? So how, when COVID hit, have you worked with, you know, your, as your, as an organization with your clients to overcome the adversity that COVID has brought on a mental aspect? Yeah. And I just look at COVID as another excuse for people to underperform, you know, and again, I'm not trying to minimize it. Sure. My father actually passed away on Christmas of last year from COVID. So I totally get it. You know, it's impacted to our family and I, thank you. I appreciate that. But um, it's impacted our family in a totally negative way. But the way I've worked with not only myself, my family, and my clients is it, it's very easy. And I think now more than ever for people to become victims. And, and I know this, that if you're playing the victim, there's absolutely no way you can be performing at your potential. But the best way to protect yourself from becoming a victim is to pick one thing and just get all over that one thing, you know? And, and so as simple as what we just talked about, your one thing might've been, you know, X number of sales calls daily. Now it doesn't make COVID go away, but what it does is it allows you to be successful. It allows you to control the things you can control. And when you can get your mind focused on the things you can control, it has an extremely positive impact on the overall mental health. But right now, I think what you've seen is for the last 18 months, people have allowed themselves to focus on things that are outside of their control. 
And I'd, I'd tell you, I think we're in a real mess right now, mentally. The people that I've worked with have thrived in this time period because the competition hasn't been very tough. Yeah. You know, most people are using or allowing COVID to stop them from taking control of the things that will cause them to be successful. And so again, you know, if I had to summarize it, I'd say, listen, you go from victim, victim mentality to attack mentality by picking one thing and getting all over that one thing. And, you know, if you wanted to think, I you know we were in the middle of the pandemic and people really didn't know what was going on. I think, you know, what I did at work was I just made sure I got over, got all over my one thing, which was making every coaching call, making sure there was one action step for people to walk out of that coaching call with. And then everybody, everybody in my family, and I've got three teenagers and said, okay, we're all going to get 30 minutes cardiovascular exercise. Now I didn't make people, I'm not like blowing the whistle around the house or anything, (laughs) but it gave my family something to focus on so that they allowed themselves to less and less become victims to whatever, you know, in this case, the pandemic. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Salk, I uh, appreciate your time today. I want to be conscious of that, but I always end my podcast by asking my guests, my guests for a piece of advice that they could leave the community of St. Louis with today. So if that is on mental toughness, if that is on business life in general, what could you leave us with today? Yeah. And so I think it hits all three of those categories, mental toughness, business, and life. Anytime somebody hires me, I start at the same place and it's I want you to learn to give yourself credit where credit is due. I don't care. You know, I've worked with some of the toughest people walking the planet, literally, you know, Navy SEALs, MMA, hockey players, football players, you know, look, mothers, fathers, plumbers, musicians, actors. I don't care what you do. You must learn on a daily basis to recognize what you're doing well, because it's so normal to do a hundred things right, one thing less than perfect, to find yourself only focusing on that one imperfection. And that, Brian, is a total sign. It's a pure sign of mental weakness. It, it destroys confidence. It lowers performance. It causes all kinds of mental and physical health issues over time. So the first thing I, I would tell anyone to work on is just get a notebook doesn't have to be anything special. Put it on your desk, put it in your car, put it somewhere where you're going to see it on a daily basis, put it on your nightstand. But once a day, just write down three things you've done well. And look, it doesn't have to be you cured cancer to qualify as a done well. Anything that promotes personal or professional health counts as a done well. For example, last night I had one beer instead of two beers at happy hour. Um, Another one of my done wells, I got my workout. I, I work out every day. I mean, I bet I might go, you know, six months without missing a workout. It doesn't matter that I've done it every day. If it promotes personal or professional health, it counts as a done well. Because if I can get my mind focused on the things I've done well before I start being critical of myself, I have a much better chance of working through those things that I want to improve. So my one advice is every day, write down three things you've done well. If you can't do it every day, do it as many days as possible and really try to set the expectation of at least three days a week. I love it. I love it. Dr. Self, on behalf of the Estillers podcast and myself, I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing your wisdom with us. I appreciate what we do for our community in St. Louis, and I wish you nothing but the best. 
Thanks, Brian, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the SC Leaders Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Bob Alvarez.